Hey guys, Bill here. Welcome back to another episode of the Bill Barnwell Show presented by DraftKings, America's top-rated sportsbook app. And before we get into today's episode, I wanted to remind everyone about a little podcast here at ESPN called ESPN Daily. It's hosted by Pablo Torre. And if you are not sick of me talking about football when you listen to the Bill Barnwell Show, well, you can be even less sick of me listening to me more every Monday because I am on ESPN Daily every Monday with Pablo breaking down what happened over the weekend in a bite-sized, but 20 minutes or so condensed version of a typical conversation. And if you are sick of me, I would still recommend subscribing because there are four days a week where you don't have to listen to me. And on those days, you wake up to the best sports story you will hear all day. Because Pablo Torre, Monday through Friday, brings you an inside look at the most interesting stories at ESPN as told by the top reporters and insiders on the planet. So I would highly recommend you go down and subscribe to ESPN Daily and, of course, as well, the Bill Barnwell Show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there is no competition. And right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a Jets Pizza location near you. Again, try Jets Signature 8-Corner Pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number 8, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza, better because it has to be. All right, now here's a show with Mike Sando talking about the NFL trade deadline and some of the teams who we're not entirely sure about after the first half of the season. Here's Mike. All right, joining me now, as promised, a frequent contributor to the show, one of the best in the business covering the NFL, and he does so for The Athletic, it is Mike Sando. Mike, how are you? Good. Good to be back with you again, Bill. It's always a pleasure to have you on the show, one of my favorite guests. And I wanted to talk to you because you do such a great job of covering the league as a whole and seeing, I think, the big picture for what's happening in the NFL. And I think there's a couple of things I want to get to today. But the the first topic I want to hit on with you is what happened at the trade deadline, because we can get to the individual teams we're going to talk about. But I was surprised. I, I want to hear what you think. I was surprised because I was expecting more. I don't know if I was expecting a dozen trades. don't know if I was expecting a very busy deadline, but even in the week before the NFL trade deadline, we really didn't get much. A couple of minor deals, uh, you know, not much in terms of a lot of the bigger players we were hearing about actually changing teams. So, Mike, let's start with this. Why do you think there was such a quiet trade deadline? Yeah, I was, you know, talking to people in the league for a, for a while before, and they were not expecting a lot. But then I'm always like, okay, all it takes is one, right? If mm -hmm. there's one big deal, then it's a big trade deadline, right? I mean, so you're always, I was back in my mind, like, okay, could something big come down? But I think, you know, we have a few things going on. You know, number one, like the NFC East, there's all these bad teams that should be selling, but they're all in it, <laughs> you know, technically. You know what I mean? They're, they're all not signaling internally they're going to wave the white flag necessarily. Mm -hmm. I mean... Um, so I think that's part of it. I think for sure uh, there's financial concerns as far as acquiring anybody who has money for next year. I think that's a big deal with caps going to go down, revenues down, uh, cash 
in owners' pockets is a big deal. Mm -hmm. um, then, you know, who was really available that was going to uh, move the needle in a big way? You know, I think last year you had Jalen Ramsey really wanted out. It was untenable. Mm -hmm. Well, if that had existed this year, who knows? I mean, I'm not saying somebody would have traded for him, but who was that player this year that needed to be moved? Uh, that was a really big time player. And so Yannick Ngakwe, I mean, he got moved before the year, but he's not a all pro 10 sack dominate the game. He's sort of a piece, right? Mm -hmm. You know, so I think you put all those things together. COVID was another thing. Like there were a lot of excuses not to make a deal. I think mm -hmm. maybe in a league that, had started to make more deals. Now you're looking at like, okay, do we want to get a fourth round pick? What is a fourth round pick next year with right. the draft? We can't even evaluate the players. So I think all of these excuses and reasons why to be cautious and not do stuff um, all added up to what are we really getting? I mean, when Carlos Dunlap is the big name, mm -hmm. you know, what are, is it worth making a move? Yeah. And Carlos Dunlap, to your point, was maybe the one guy who really went out of his way to try and push through a move. I mean, he was getting into fights with his coaches. He was <laughs> advertising his house on Twitter. You know, he was going above and beyond to try and force a trade through. Maybe his trade wouldn't even have happened if uh, he had not been so aggressive. I actually want to ask you, I wasn't planning on this, but I want to ask you about the 2021 situation. We've all written and talked about the salary cap uh, taking a, a major hit next year. The projection is $175 million down from what probably would have been somewhere in the 212 range, I think would have been my, my estimate um, if things had kind of gone the way they typically do. Mike, do you think a lot of teams are really concerned about what is going to happen? And then how do you think that's going to impact the market next year? Well, I'll add the second question first, who is going to get a, the huge max deal i mean obviously if you have a, a quarterback or somebody who has to get done yes but I, I i agree i mean i think that was one of the factors in the trades too teams thought about was hey uh if i acquire a guy and then let him go and try to get a comp pick mm -hmm. is it going to be as good of a comp pick you know what what's the market going to be i think that that uncertainty hangs and we don't really know for sure um how bad it's going to be but um we think it's going to be bad so that certainly is a concern on teams' minds. I think it leads to inactivity and people just being safe. Hey, let's not do something that could screw us up next year. I think it will be a concern, certainly for those teams that, uh, you know, have sort of been kicking the cap can down the road. Usually the cap is totally overrated. I mean, I think that, in a, you know, even to have Belichick talking about it was odd. I, I think <laughs> most, for the most part, it's not 1999. People know how to deal with it, right? They manipulate it. They use it as an excuse or they use it but you can get around it. Well, this is different though. It's always sort of gone up. You know, you, our credit limits always kind of been going up. What would happen if your spending's going up every year and then you find out next year you're taking a 30% pay cut, right? I mean, that's a concern for people. So if you're in Atlanta, if you're in New Orleans, some of these teams that have been up against it almost by design trying to extend these windows, I, I do think it's concerning for those teams. Yeah, I mean, I, I wrote about Collins today. I wrote about Jimmy Garoppolo, who has a $24 million uh, base salary next year. It's all unguaranteed. I wrote about, well, maybe the Niners can't really afford him. And then I was thinking about uh, Kirk Cousins, who, of course, has a $33 million salary coming each of the next few years as a possible trade candidate 
for the 49ers. And when I think about these guys, you know, I think in a typical year, there really wouldn't be too much of a problem with their deals. Garoppolo, you know, you could manipulate the deal a little bit. You could restructure. You could ask him to take a pay cut. And if you probably have a trade trade market because he would still have some reasonable value at $24 million. And Cousins, you know, was a guy the Vikings paid a premium for not to lose. I mean, they could have played out this final year and, you know, let, let him hit free agency and saw what happened, but they wanted to extend him and did. I wonder about those sort of players now because I don't know if they're going to have any meaningful market the way they would in the typical season. Right. And you look at a team like Minnesota that hasn't, they, they've been kind of a safe team, you know, not, hey, let's, they could have traded Kyle Rudolph last year, right? I mean, mm-hmm. during the year, they could have, could have made those types of moves and they haven't um, for the most part. So do they, you know, I think for these teams, if you trade a Kirk Cousins, you're you're definitely signaling that hey, our window closed, and now we're we're in the market for something else. We're changing; it's not working. Is Minnesota the type of team to do that? Maybe their record will be bad enough that they will. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're right. What what's the market for for Kirk Cousins? We know that uh, we know that uh, Kyle Shanahan likes him, probably likes him better than Garoppolo. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think I was reading you, you had a nice column recently talking about the three factors of a quarterback. You know, availability if you played a certain level, and Jimmy not checking these boxes was that mm-hmm. today? I don't know. I read yes, it, it was. Uh, yeah, read it today. So, um, you know, with Kirk Cousins, at least you know he's going to play most of the games. You know, I think that would have some real value to a team like uh, the 49ers. Mm-hmm. You know, they're they're going to be able to look at the season and blame injuries. Oh sure. So they're. They're not going to be in a necessarily a reassess mode of are we doing things right, except at that position, in my opinion. Yeah, um, I think absolutely. Yeah, so and I think there need there will be a change. There a change will appeal to them, right? They are already on the record of liking Cousins. They sniffed the situation with Tom Brady. Um, you just read between the lines; it doesn't feel like unconditional love between <laughs> Shanahan and Garoppolo, mm-hmm. and. Garoppolo hasn't played well enough consistently. The only thing he's got going for him is they seem to win almost all the games when he plays, which <laughs> you and I both know, you know, there's other factors to that, but um, it is a huge difference when he plays or not, whether they win the game. So maybe that's in his, in his favor for them, but I, I feel like a Cousins type of move could make sense for them, uh, mm-hmm. could be appealing to them. I just don't know, is Minnesota going to be, what's Minnesota's mindset going to be after this year? How are they going to explain their record or is their record going to be better are they going to improve you know i wrote before the season they faced the number one hardest record of opposing quarterbacks using my quarterback peers for mm-hmm. um are they much worse than they sh- should expect to be you know what i mean what are they going to be in the end mm-hmm. are they going to win six seven games they're 15th in dvoa i mean they are a solid team yeah so wh- how are these teams going to uh quote unquote address issues that always happens right somebody gets blamed there has to be some narrative after the year of what mm-hmm. we're doing for the vikings is it kirk cousins yes it could be if he throws enough interception mm-hmm. i think what does he have now nine something like that i think he's in that ballpark yeah if he were to finish with a bunch of them and i could definitely see them saying okay that's the pro- that's the problem we're going to make a switch there and then you could see kyle shannon saying ah we'll fix that he just had a you know it was a rough year he'll come in and be our change for jimmy i could see that type of thing yeah, it's interesting. I, I I think there's really going to be a reckoning here when it comes to a lot of these veteran contracts where you know you had so many teams who are projecting the cap to be one thing and it's going to be dramatically different. And I think 
you know, the the, the star guys are going to be fine. They're still going to get their deals, but that middle tier of veterans, I think, is going to get hit really, really hard. The guys who don't have guaranteed money left on their deals, which, you know, if you're a team that has a lot of those guys, you could be in trouble. But if you're a team like, say, the Patriots, who loves those guys and has, you know, maybe 70 million in cap space, that could suddenly be a big opportunity for you. Yep. Really good. Yep. You can kind of sense with Belichick's comments that he's thinking that way, right? I mean, mm-hmm. he's like, oh, yeah, we sort of knew this would be, uh, you know. <laughs> We made our run, you know, uh, won three times, won the Super Bowl, and this was always going to be. It does feel like they're, you know, resetting for making a push next offseason, and maybe they'll take advantage. Maybe they can be in position to, maybe in our year, we'll be writing about how they, you know, took advantage of this inefficiency or whatever, you know, uh, mm-hmm. to, to, to help themselves while other teams really could be in trouble. Yeah, for sure. Um, getting to back to the, uh, the trade deadline here, I wanted to talk to you about a few teams who you thought maybe should have been more aggressive making moves uh, in advance or at the trade deadline on Tuesday. And I think the team that had the most conversation surrounding their possible trade options were the Green Bay Packers. Of course, since the draft, we've heard they need to add a receiver. They need to add a receiver. And they are in great position to win the NFC North. They have a shot at the number one seed. And there was some talk about Will Fuller, and it seemed to just sort of dissipate. The trade never happened. Texans held all their wide receivers. The Packers did not add anybody to Devontae Adams and company. So, Mike, number one, were you surprised the Packers didn't make a move? And number two, do you think the Packers should have made a move? Yeah, not surprised, and I think uh, they should have. I thought, you know, after the criticism they endured for the draft, which Sometimes in a draft, it doesn't fall how you want it. Maybe, the, maybe there's an excuse. Maybe there wasn't a guy that you really wanted to take. But I felt like then they had this sort of obligation and opportunity to shut all of us up by just fixing it with an acquisition, right? Mm-hmm. You had all this time going into the season, uh, during the season, to get one more guy for your quarterback. And I don't understand how they weren't able to do it. Now, at the deadline, then you're working from a position of weakness, right? I mean, you're not going to get marvin jones from detroit in the division right that's just not going to probably happen right fuller maybe the price was too high but but you had time for a long time to do this mm-hmm. and that's my biggest problem with them and i think you see uh sometimes with green bay you can really see what it's like to have a team that doesn't have an owner mm-hmm. you know and i think the decision to take to trade up for the quarterback more than take a quarterback to trade up for the quarterback on draft day and then not get a receiver is not the type of thing that would happen or be allowed to happen. If you had a traditional type a personality owner who Mm -hmm. had equity in his quarterback Rogers and could do a solid for him. You know what I mean? There's no one really doing a solid for, for Rogers here, even in the way they play the game. So, I mean, extreme run heavy emphasis against Minnesota again this last week mm-hmm. um, when Minnesota has no, I know they're probably playing off and all that, but they got no corners, right? So what are they doing? How, how are they going to try to win it all this year? Uh, I think getting a wide receiver, just trying um, would have made a lot of sense for them. Yeah. I mean, I was surprised that it, let's say you don't want to get Wolf Fuller. I, I can understand that. I was surprised they didn't even go after someone like a John Ross or a Dante Pettis, you know, someone who wasn't going to cost, more than a six or a seven, just to, to to your point, just to say, hey, look, we did add somebody. 
you know, we it's an option. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But at least we made some move to appease our fan base, to make Aaron Rodgers happy. You know, we didn't take on that much money, uh, but that didn't come. And that that surprised me. I mean, I think even if they had added a defensive lineman or a linebacker, they could say, hey, listen, you know, we we know we're, we're in a Super Bowl window. We, we think we're good at wide receiver. You know, Devontae Adams has been great. We have had a lot of success on offense without Devontae Adams or Alan Lazard for part of the year. So we don't think we need to add a receiver. But look, our biggest weakness last year was that run defense. And we just got gashed by Dalvin Cook and the Vikings on Sunday. We added a piece to our front seven that's going to help our run defense. They didn't even do that. And I think the point you made about not having an owner uh, is really astute. And I think really speaks to how difficult it might be for them to actually get everyone's ducks lined up in a row and actually make a deal in midseason. Yeah, absolutely. Like, just think of what Jim Irsay would be doing for Peyton Manning, right? In all mm-hmm. those years when they were, you know, drafting guys, they didn't hit on them all, but you're, you're drafting guys to play these positions and you're really trying to make a run. I feel like they're in year two of the Lafleur or Gutenkus plan. Well, hold on a minute. We're in year 15 of Rogers' plan. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and Rogers is still really good. Um, you know, he, he's, there's been no decline in his ability to throw the ball. Uh, he's a master of, uh, of managing the game. I mean, he, he, he is catching guys with 12 on the field. He's mm-hmm. hurrying up, uh, making pinpoint throws that aren't always caught. Get somebody who catches them more. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And they've done it. You know, Tunyon's been better than I expected. In certain games, they've been better than expected at that position. But how do you look at your team if you were the owner of the Packers and just say, oh, year two of the plan? It's not. It's we're down to the last few years, maybe of this precious resource, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and look at Bill Belichick is a great coach. He's won forty six percent of his games when Tom Brady didn't start. That's just the reality, and that's probably better than someone else would do. He's won seventy seven percent when Brady starts. Mm-hmm. These guys are going to look back, and whether it's Gutenkust, whether it's Lafleur, their records when they had Favre and when they had Rodgers are going to be way better than when they have the next guy. Mm-hmm. Do they not Absolutely. realize this? Uh, you know, it's the I, way it is for everybody. This league humbles mm-hmm. everybody. Yeah, you're right. You, better, you have one of those guys. Let's go. Mm-hmm. There's I people agree. who go their whole career and never have anyone as good as Rogers is right now. Mm-hmm. In fact, if you were to come in a league and work for 20 years, the odds of you having a quarterback as good as Rogers is right now are very low. And not only that, Mike, I mean, you know, it's not as if they haven't seen what it's like without Aaron Rodgers, right? I mean, this is a team where they've had to go stretches without Aaron Rodgers when he got hurt. They had to turn to Brett Hundley in 2017. It was a mess. You know, it wasn't like it went great when they lost Rodgers. So, um, and then, then you know. this last week, they played Minnesota. Mm-hmm. They're the third heaviest run script of the week with Tennessee and Baltimore. Well, Baltimore, of course, they've got a running quarterback. Mm-hmm. Tennessee is trying to take it out of Tannehill's hands and make the game easier. We're doing that with Rodgers. It's curious. And and by the way, Aaron Jones isn't even playing. Right. There, I, I've been joking. I joked on Twitter, you know, yesterday. What, no one really laughed except for me. As usual, <laughs> but, but, you know, it was like they're down like 20 running backs. Are we going to, you know, or is it going to be a pass heavy game against uh, or is it going to be Lafleur trying to out Shanahan Shanahan and they're going to have 58 rushing attacks with two two possessions in the first half and lead 14 to, to nine? You know, I mean, come on. Yeah, it's crazy. They almost don't feel equipped to do it. Like, I, I just feel like this team should have a couple of guys outside, a big tight end, 
a couple of, you know, another guy for Devon, with Devontae Adams. You've got the good running back in Jones who can catch the ball, wheel routes, all that stuff. And it should be a little bit more from the gun and let's go. Or you should at least have that mode. I even feel like when they need to go into that mode, it's almost not comfortable for them because of the structure of the offense, because of who they have at personnel. And so maybe they're, maybe they don't think they need a receiver for how they want to play. Mm-hmm. Isn't that telling? Because everything, everything about how they've approached the draft and dreams says it's not a concern for them. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, it's not, they've been very consistent. You know, it wasn't like, you know, they went out and traded for someone after the draft. It wasn't like they made major additions. Even after they lost, um, who did they have who opted out? Was it Moncrief? Um, uh, no, the, the big receiver who was in Carolina. Uh, um, uh, Funches, Devin Funches. Funches, Devin Funches, yeah. Yep. I always get Dante Moncrief and Devin Funches. Yeah, we can edit that part out. <laughs> oh, no, it's fine. We can keep that in. Um, you know, but I mean, Funches opted out. It wasn't even like they replaced Funches, you know? No, no, that was like not even a big deal. So um, crazy. It's crazy to me. And I think, you know, they're still a really good team. And who knows, in this in this weird year, um, heck, they could wind up in the Super Bowl. You know, it could still work for them. But I just have a feeling they're going to look back um, that we're going to look back and see uh, all of these years where they had, you know, probably a top five quarterback for 30 years or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, with Favre, and they may have uh, way fewer uh, Super Bowl appearances and titles than they should have had. And we'll be able to look through different times and say, yep, they let the defense go. Oh, defense special teams were bad. Mm-hmm. Oh, Rogers was hurt these two years. But we're not. But but by how we play the game and try to do it now, there's how can that be an excuse? Mm-hmm. You know, our plan of how we want to play the game. So I don't know. I don't know. They have a good record, but it just feels like they could be more than what they are. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, I agree. Um, is there another team that came to mind for you where you were a little surprised they did not make any major additions uh, in the week or so? before the trade deadline? Yeah, you know, one that I was kind of looking at, and this is a team too in Tampa Bay where you're melding how we want to play the game. We've got Brady, we've got Bruce Arians, and I think they're still figuring all that out. But I thought going into the year when I had to kind of come up, I think I usually do a column like, hey, what's the worry for every team? And I felt really good about Tampa. But one of the things was who was going to be the pass catching back for Brady? You know, and I feel like I would like to have some easier options for him. You know, he he's actually tied with Rodgers for the league lead in completed passes, 20 plus air yards. You wouldn't mm-hmm. think of that with Brady, you know, at the stage of his of things necessarily, but in that offense, you could see it. I just would like to see more uh, ability of him to just dump it off, get rid of it when it's not yeah. there. And I think we saw that against the Giants, a good, you know, pretty, maybe an underrated defense that took away the big play, made it harder for them just give them some easier completions. And mm-hmm. I thought a pass catching back maybe, or, you know, maybe they have one. I mean, last year, Ronald Jones had some good receptions, um, but I just haven't seen that, you know, mm-hmm. and is that a timing thing? Is that an offense thing? Is it an acquisition thing? I don't know. There was a, you know, Duke Johnson sitting there on the Texans. He's mm-hmm. been that in the past. He really hasn't the last couple of years since he's been in Houston, but mm-hmm. was there somebody like that, that, you know, could, could have helped them? It certainly seems like it, you know, they seem, interested in every running back who becomes a free agent. So you yeah. would figure they'd want to trade for someone, you know, possibly as well. I, I did surprise me. I agree. Um, the team that came to mind for me, at least one of them was the Las Vegas Raiders, a team that is four and three 
you know, in the thick of the AFC playoff picture, just beat the Cleveland Browns, who you would figure are going to be one of their competitors for maybe the six or the seven seed in the AFC. Well, that, that's strange to say the seven seed still seems odd to me. I know there might even be an eight seed this year, depending on how things break. Um, but the Raiders are, are a legitimate playoff contender. And we're going to talk about them a little bit, I think, later on. But I was a little surprised they did not go out and get another piece for that defense, which is 31st in DVOA. And they have some expensive players who aren't playing well. Corey Littleton struggling. Um, Marcus Joyner, you know, has been at slot corner and has just been not very good. You know, they are they have guys like Colin Farrell, who, you know, they're counting on still as the fourth overall pick, but a guy who has not made an impact. I, I thought they would go out and add a pass rusher, maybe Ryan Kerrigan, I thought made sense for them. And I was a little surprised that, you know, that John Gruden and the Mike Mack didn't go out and add some help for a defense that might, you know, actually be playing meaningful games in December and January. I know, but here's what you got to remember, the psychology of the team. John Gruden cares about the offense, the offensive coach. I remember, you know, as, as long as I go back covering the league, I used to cover uh, Gruden's mentor, Mike Holmgren, and you could always tell how well the offense did in practice by the mood of him after the practice. You know, it'd be a beautiful day. Boy, the defense looked good. Holman come over with sweat in his eye and a surly attitude, you know, and that's what Gruden lives every day. It's the play caller and offense. So he is probably focused on that side of the ball. And it, you know, if his offense was really hurting with something, yeah. I think they would be more apt to be in the market and we got to do this. We got to do that. But Defensive side, hey, Gunther, you figure that out. <laughs> we got to get that fixed. Uh, we Look, we've drafted there, whatever. Um, and then the, the other part of that is, okay, you know, who was really getting moved defensively? You know, if you look at the Ngakwe, okay, Dunlap, I mean, possibly could have helped a team like the Raiders, but, you know, there it wasn't like there were a bunch of great defensive players moving or J.J. Watt was getting traded or anything like that. That's true. I, that makes sense. And I... You know, I could see why you would say that. I think I think the Gruden thing about work, working the offense makes total sense. And maybe they're just going to sit there and say, hey, we're going to live and die based on how good our offense is. And their offense is pretty good. Like, you know, as far as underrated offenses go, they're they're pretty high up there. So I could see how that could make sense. Um, did surprise me, though. I was hoping for a little more. Yeah. Fun. Yeah. Another it like a team on the edge there. Yeah. yeah. Right. Another team that's sort of more entrenched as contenders, but I thought might make a move at receiver were the Baltimore Ravens. And I just, you know, I look at that offense right now and I see Lamar Jackson not playing his best football through two picks in the Steelers game, one of which was turned for a pick six. Really, those two interceptions really cost them the game. And, you know, they, they have a receiving core that, isn't all that imposing right now. Marquise Brown, we know what promise he has, but he's been, uh, you know, in and out of games. He was complaining about his target share on Twitter. Um, you know, Mark Andrews, again, has had some drop issues. Willie Sneed is, you know, fine, but I think Willie Sneed is, you know, Miles Boykin, those guys are not making significant dents in games. I, I thought maybe they might go out and really try and get, a, you know, a Will Fuller type or someone like that. Although maybe adding in Gakwe, uh, sort of took up most of their cap space, I suppose. Yeah, I could see that too. And, you know, of course, when you have Des Bryant on the practice squad, I mean, you're going to be oh, set gosh. for the future at wide receiver um, long-term. Um, obviously, the, obviously, though, I mean, we joke, but obviously they are thinking about it to some degree to have him around. Of course. I mean, but, you know, I, for them, I think it's almost just the nature of the offense. And so what do you want to give up for a piece 
when you're going to run the ball all the time anyway. You know, I don't know that adding a receiver to them um, puts the, you know, moves the needle or puts them over the top or changes who they are. I don't think it's just one receiver away from, you know, it, it may be another receiver and an off season of being able to work on all of this and expand what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when I watch them, I think it's like they get the ball with seven and a half minutes left in the game against Pittsburgh down four. They just run the ball 10 straight times. Mm-hmm. And they got down there. Yeah, they did. <laughs> you know, I mean, you got to give them some credit for that. But would the let's just say you had if you had Will Fuller on that drive, let's just say that Will Fuller in the game is the game different. You know what I mean? Is that's true? Lamar, is Lamar Jackson going back there and he's like, oh, Will Fuller, you know, and hitting <laughs> the passes? I don't feel like that's necessarily what's holding back their passing game right now. Maybe it is if we have an off season to build this thing around it. I just think they sort of are what they are, and even if they had. Uh, you know, well, I don't want to exaggerate, but if you had DeAndre Hopkins on there, I think that would help him. You know what I mean? I think that would change it. I don't know that a, one of these complementary pieces that is already available because he's not necessarily moving the needle where he's at is going to come in this part of the year mm-hmm. and appreciably change where they're at. But yeah. I do agree with you in theory that I would like that aspect of their team to improve. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, they are going to be at their core a run first team, you know, and that's not going to change. And I think. That makes sense. I, I would say that, you know, I don't think they're going to go to Will Fuller in that situation, but maybe if they go and add Will Fuller, maybe they're not in that situation to begin with. Maybe they yeah. have, you know, a better passing attack earlier in games. But I do think that you're right at the end of the day, that is going to be a Have they lost team. their, you know, so are, are, and are they, they're doing less three tight end stuff. I mean, people, I saw somebody was mm-hmm. saying calling for him to get another tight end, which, you know, I don't know about that, but. But, uh, you know, they, they would just they're going to be an interesting team to kind of look at, because like the other day, um, I can't remember if it was before or after the Pittsburgh game, I think it was after um, Lamar's numbers from last year to this year, to this point in the season are like the same. Now, yeah. is he, you know, the EPA per attempts down and some of those things that that's not always the quarterback either. You know, the, right. if the, whoever catches it affects the EPA, too, you know, <laughs> and yeah. whatever's happening and your targets. It was kind of amazingly similar. You know, yet we have this perception like there's a big step back, you know, and um, how much of a step back is there? Offensively, there is. They're, they're, I think in EPA per game, they might be 23rd, something like that. So it's not as good. It's not as easy. Um, they, they could use something. I'm not 100% sure what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you know, he has one of the highest drop rates in all of football as well. So um, yeah. absolutely feel like that offense still has maybe another gear to hit as we approach the second half of the season. Any other teams that come to mind for you uh, in terms of teams who you expect to maybe might be more aggressive at the trade deadline? Well, you know, I think so Arizona is a team on the fringes there too. So what could they have done? You know, what would like when that was the sort of the hardest part for me is like, okay, what would I get for them? You know, mm-hmm. um, I feel like they're good. They're right in it. It's six. Heck they beat Seattle. Maybe they don't have to do anything. Right. But um I had trouble just coming up with the one thing I would give them, but but they were a team that came to mind. Um, I don't know what you could do for um, Chicago. You know, I think <laughs> you sort of know what the limitation is, but heck, they've got a decent record. And if you look at their schedule this year, they're probably going to have a winning record. Mm-hmm. Um, is there, do we just, if, if you're the GM of them, I don't think you can just say, well, we're screwed because of quarterback situation. No, you got to be trying to figure out what can we do? I'm not sure what it is, but they're sort of a team on the fringes too. That's I think the eighth seed in the NFC right now. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, could make the playoffs. Well, it's funny you mentioned that, Mike, because the first two teams I have to talk about here 
in our final segment, which is sort of talking about some of these teams that are, you know, still on the fringes or, or we're not really maybe sure what they are after uh, eight weeks here are the Arizona Cardinals and the Chicago Bears. Um, so we're going to talk about those two teams and a couple more. Um, let's start with the Cardinals. because I think, you know, the Cardinals obviously are in great shape to make the postseason. They did just beat the Seahawks in overtime. Uh, I, I wrote after the game, to me, it was their most important victory and their most meaningful victory since the Aaron Rodgers Hail Mary game in the 2015 playoffs. They've been, they lost the following week in the postseason. They've been mediocre ever since. Uh, this was, you know, a, a nationally televised game and a game against, you know, a team that was set to, you know, take a big lead in the NFC West. Now things have changed. Now the Cardinals are in the thick of the NFC West hunt. But Mike, what I wanted to ask you is, you know, in terms of how you view the Cardinals at five and two, I mean, do you see them as an upper echelon, you know, a Super Bowl caliber contender? Or to you, you know, if we were going to steal the, if we were actually, no, that's a better way to do it. I'm going to change this and miss this. If we were going to steal the Mike Sando quarterback tiers for teams here, where would you put the Cardinals right now? That's a great way of putting it. So I'd, I, I might put them, so, I'll, you know, in, in quarterback tiers, we got, you know, tier one is sort of the elite of the elite. Tier two is kind of, you could be in the Pro Bowl, maybe you're pretty good. Uh, three is we can win with you, you know, but we don't love you. And I sort of, I, in my mind, I kind of have them as sort of the lower tier two team right now, right? Almost like, almost like where you put Kyler Murray right now. Mm-hmm. I think there's an inconsistency to um, the passing game with them that, is partly young quarterback, partly because he can run around so well, um, partly maybe they could use a little bit more of a downfield uh, threat, you know, catching the ball, that sort of thing. I think when you have games where you're nine of 24 passing or whatever, um, which by the way, I think they beat Dallas to something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a little bit of a sporadicness to it that I think mm-hmm. catches up with you before you get all the way to the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. But in a year when it doesn't really matter that Let's just say, okay, in a normal year, we'd be saying, oh, look, you got to go through Seattle in the postseason. Good luck. Well, Seattle's like playing in a parking lot now. There's no disadvantage to go play in Seattle right now. Mm-hmm. So why can't Arizona advance? You know what I mean? Yeah. What is it? Like, like I think when we look at the AFC, we feel like, oh, Kansas City's there. Look, that could be hard for even Pittsburgh or Baltimore to get past, right? And those are really good teams, or mm-hmm. Indy, these teams that we think are, are good teams in the NFC. Okay, you know, Tampa Bay could be that team, but if you can get pressure on Brady, he can't move. Mm-hmm. You know what right. I mean? Uh, Seattle could give up 37 next week. You know, now they may, Seattle getting better on defense with Dunlap and Adams could change it a little bit. But mm-hmm. Green Bay, heck, they could win or lose any week. Of course. Saints, what are they? I feel like, why not Arizona? You, you know, why couldn't Arizona, who in the NFC can Arizona not beat? Hmm. You know what I mean? If Arizona got to play every team in the NFC twice, mm-hmm. could could they win one of them? Of course they could. Absolutely. I mean, you would say maybe Carolina. This is the one team that's really, you know, beat them by more than three points so far this year. Um, yeah, they're 2-0 in the NFC West. Right, they are. And that was San Francisco in their first game of the year when they were probably healthier than they are now. <laughs> I think by You know what I mean? By default. There, there's, other, there's other junk games. I mean, Washington, Jets, Cowboys, but that, that's every team when has those games. To, to beat Seattle and San Francisco in your division, now I want to see them stack it. I want to see them beat Miami, which could, you know, they got Miami, Buffalo, Seattle, New England, Rams. 
the next four, next five games or whatever yeah. that is, if they're two and three in there, then then we can downgrade them. But I, but I I feel like I need to set aside the past feeling of just how bad they were defensively and in other ways a couple of years ago. They're a better team. Yeah, I mean they did lose Chandler Jones to uh, season-ending injury, but they're going to manufacture a pass rush, and we saw in that game against the Seahawks fourth quarter overtime of that game they were able to get to Russell Wilson and keep the Seahawks from scoring I mean that kept them in the game long enough for the offense to kind of get its act together and tie the game and then you know two drives uh, one missed field goal and then one to you know uh, succeed in overtime so you know that that defense even though the names have not been you know all that prominent even though there's been questions about Patrick Peterson and his ability to play at a high level into his 30s I mean the defense is getting the job done right now yeah, I think they're going to be in the end a nine and seven team. That mm-hmm. uh, I think now, if San Francisco falls by the wayside, we could see three teams from the NFC West make it and not and have San Francisco not be one of them. You know, depending on their ability to hold things together. But I think that's realistic for them. You know, maybe that's the 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 goal for this season is just to be a playoff team. You know, mm-hmm. why not? Why not Arizona? Absolutely. Now, I will ask you about the Chicago Bears. Same conference. Same, they're a similar-ish position. The Bears are five and three, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, five and three in the NFC North. They have a victory over the Buccaneers, maybe the best team in the entire conference. Uh, almost beat the Saints, lost to the Saints in overtime uh, last week. The other wins, not all that exciting. Detroit Giants, Falcons, Panthers. But we know this defense is legitimate. So do you sort of have that same attitude about why not them when it comes to the Chicago Bears? I feel like I'm more negative on them. I think we all are because it's every game is a referendum on Nagy and the quarterback and all of mm-hmm. that. And with the expectation of, Hey, how far can you go? Cause they've kind of been a playoff team, right. You know, in the last couple of years. And so we're measuring them against a higher floor, right? Mm-hmm. For Arizona, we're like, Oh, they were so low. I kind of like Arizona, you know, glass mm-hmm. half full. I think they're rising. I feel like Chicago is a little bit stuck. They're probably not as good as they've been defensively in the past, even though they're good, right? They're, they're their defense sort of has peaked mm-hmm. a couple of years ago, a year ago. It, it may not be that good again, but it's still good. It's still one of the better defenses. And so we're measuring them from a like, okay, are they going to be good enough at quarterback to take the next step, which means winning in the playoffs, you know, mm-hmm. right? And advancing. So um, yet their record is, you know, is not bad. And they really could have easily won the same game. So I don't feel as good about them. I feel like, at a certain point, you've got to be able to score more than they have done. I believe if you look at them this year, they did get 30 points against Atlanta, but they have in a year when averaging 25 points a game doesn't even put you near the top anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, they've got a lot of games with 17 against the Giants, 11 against the Colts, 20 bucks, 10 Rams, 23, 23. I feel like they need more offensively, even with that good defense, especially you know, against some of the better teams. So is that unfair? I mean, are we just creating a narrative? It almost sounds unfair because we don't like their quarterback. <laughs> I don't know. You know what I, I mean? You're right. But I, I guess I wonder at the end of the day, does the quarterback matter all that much? I mean, it, it, it's strange to say about this team, but, you know, it, it's not like whether they have Foles or Trubisky in, that the results are going to be all that much different. I mean, I, I prefer Trubisky in some situations because he's a better runner. I prefer Foles in some situations because maybe he has a higher ceiling. Like, we haven't seen Nick Foles play great football all year. I mean, at the end of the day, they have 
you know, false as I pass a rating of 80.2. Trubisky said 87.4. Neither of them are good or, or difference makers. So, you know, to me, I, I sort of look at it as, okay, well, you know, they're going to turn over the football a couple of times. You know, they're going to be sloppy. They might make a big play here and there. The, the receivers have some talent. But at the end of the day, this team's going to win because of its defense or lose because of its defense, not because of its quarterback. Fourth easiest remaining schedule, just That's looking the, at wins losses, you know, and just kind of stacking these things. I I think they're going to end up with a better record than we think they have, which has been their story all year. Yeah. Uh, and the question is, are we wrong or are they, you know, are we being unreasonable uh, in doing that? And I'm going to say no. I mean, I feel like the quarterback's an important component of it. And I think ultimately uh, you're, you need one. Um, when you play teams that are that are well prepared for you, you know, mm-hmm. I, and I think that that will be uh, their downside and the, the, that'll be their undoing. But I also do allow for the fact that I think we're measuring them against a higher standard than we're measuring Arizona mm-hmm. based on where they've been and where they needed to go yeah. and what they've done to try to get there. I feel like when you have a quarterback who is playing pretty well and we think the ceiling's even higher, that's Arizona. Mm-hmm. Then I feel like, you can have heights. You could win the game like they won the other night against Seattle, right? You can win a 37 to 34 game. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like there's uh, Chicago feels more limited than that to me. And they have almost a harder way to win, even though it's comforting to have a defense. It is comforting to have a defense. I just think you, you, you need to have an offense. Yeah. <laughs> That's usually how it works. Yeah. You know, I, and I'm just going to stick to that. I, Cause when you're bad at quarterback too, that guy can lose the game more easily, you know. 100%. I feel true. like I feel like they need their defense to win the game and the quarterback not to lose the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, absolutely. So, be, because if he does lose the game, your you know your your defense can't be that good all the time. So that's how I see it. I could poke holes in what I'm saying. I think I did along the way. I mean, I, I'm allowing for the fact that it could be unreasonable, but that's just how I feel. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, the Bears, thirty first. In the league on offense, uh, in third down rate, third down conversion rate, 30th in red zone touchdown rate on defense, first uh, on third down in terms of getting off the field, best red zone defense in football. So, I mean, obviously, I know the Bears are certainly defense heavy uh, through the first. The Bears are who we thought they were, right? 100%. They're absolutely exactly like they were with a little more luck. Uh, late in games, maybe better kicking. The kicking's been pretty solid this year for them. Like Kyra Santos is 14 to 16. 15 to 15 on extra points. So, hey, I mean, they finally got the kicker they wanted. They are 16th in field goal kick EPA. That's scary that I had that on the screen. But I just <laughs> kind of looking at them. Yeah, that's not bad. Proud to see how they are from 43 yards. You know, that's the <laughs> Yes, you got to get that 43-yard practice in. It's Matt <laughs> famously, famously pointed out. I mentioned the Raiders earlier. Uh, 24th in DVOA, but uh, still in pretty solid shape to make the postseason of 4-3. and three. We talked a little bit about them earlier, but um, in terms of that offense, I mean, you mentioned how how much John Gruden cares about this offense. If you look at Derek Carr's numbers, he's completing over 71% of his passes, averaging 7.8 yards per attempt, 14 touchdowns, two picks, passer rating about 110, QBR of 77. I mean, do you buy that this Raiders offense is as good as it looks by the numbers? Probably not quite as good as it looks, but I think that, that Carr's done better and they've found, the, I think Gruden's a good play caller. You know, that's one thing we've, I think we've learned about Gruden coming back is mm-hmm. um, he can put together a good offense. I think he plays, you know, you know they they try to not put 
their quarterback in situations that are hard for him, and that's the goal, and they've done well with it. Uh, you know, the defense could be – I think what you're looking for to really, you know, quote-unquote contend is to not just be horrific in one area. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And And so for some of these teams that are way at the bottom defensively, like just looking at – you know, they're a bottom five team defensively. That's that makes it hard ultimately. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. The other teams that are down there are one and six Texans, one and six Jaguars, two and six Falcons. So good for them. They've been able to be four and three, and they beat Kansas City. So I think they have a way that they know how they want to play the games, and they've been able to do that pretty well. They're probably uh, it's a victory to me that we're not talking about Carr and is he, are they going to get rid of Carr and that sort mm-hmm. of stuff. So I think they've done a a pretty good job, but maybe they may be too bad on defense to um, go far. You know what I mean? I think that's going to hold them back. And, on, and in that conference, like we talked about Cleveland having, well, we, uh, you know, Cleveland has the easiest remaining schedule. Mm-hmm. So do they end up being the first team out of the playoffs in a 17 field? Are they, you know, are they eighth? They're eighth right now. Maybe that's where they're going to be. Yeah, I mean that's not out of the question. Uh, they certainly they did beat Cleveland, so that helps them. But. That's what, yeah. And Cleveland's the other team I'm going to talk about actually in a minute because I want to hear what you think about them as well. I mean, I think that did go a long way, and it was the first game, by the way, where their defense looked competent. I mean, I guess the Saints game you could say they were looked good. Yeah, actually, I, I would it say was that. a brutal weather game though. I mean, it was yeah. hard. I thought any team that scored a touchdown was going to win. <laughs> you know, that's fair. Tough game it was like six to three. You know, sure. But I mean, they so, were the ones who held the Browns without a touchdown. They you know, did enough against the run. They held a uh, cream hunt to 66 yards to 14 carries. They were able to, you know, force Baker Mayfield to throw the football in bad conditions. And, um, you know, they were able to run the football. And I, when I think about them, my, my first question is, okay, you know, can they win in different styles of games? I mean, they did win a shootout with the chiefs and I think yep. they have the sort of offense that can win a shootout, you know, on the right day, if they, if they execute, but, you know, I wonder, can they win a game where they have to run the football and play defense? And this was the first example to me of a game where they were able to do that. Yep. I love, I love that aspect of them. The last three weeks to be able to score 40 and win a game at Kansas city, even though that's, you know, the road doesn't matter as much now, but still that's huge to me. And then to come back and win a rainy, windy, you know, 16 to six or ugly, um, I like that. I think I think that goes a long way with me in terms of that's sort of the development of your team, right? And now you're going to play what they got the Chargers, the Broncos, the Chiefs. Those those games are really going to be critical in their division. Why can't they win two of their next three, right? Yeah. I mean, um, and then they're going to go into a stretch with Falcons, Jets. You know, there, there's games on here they can win. So I, I feel pretty good about where they're at. I'm with you that you know, defensively might've been nice to add a piece easier said than done. I think they've got to get better on that side to really, you know, to really be in the true contender status, but you know, for the most part, they've won a lot of the games they should have won and a couple that you didn't think they were going to win with the saints and the chiefs. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I, I always make this joke, you know, I, I, cause I always think it's silly, but everyone does it. So I, I can't complain about it too much, but, that classic thing of, okay, before the year, your fans going to sit down when the schedule comes out, they're going to check every win and loss. Were there any Raiders fans checking a win at the Chiefs in week five? And uh, 
you know, a loss at home to the Bills or a loss at home to the Buccaneers. My suspicion is not. Yeah, exactly. You could have seen coming into the year, okay, they would lose at the Patriots, right? I mean, now what we know, they probably should have won at the Patriots, but you would have checked that one. Um, Tampa Bay, you could have checked as a loss just because, hey, Brady's coming in, they're a big team. But but, uh, I think to to have the Saints and Chief wins um, is huge and something they can, you know, build on a little bit, right? You know, Absolutely. Not having Carr Wilt at Kansas City is a, is a big deal. 100%. I think it's a big deal for them. So I do feel better about them. I just, in looking at, are they going to be one of the top seven teams? I don't know. Who of those teams ahead of them is really going to fall out of it? Uh, you know, and are they going to be able to really realistically win their division? No, right? You know what I mean? Even with the win over the Chiefs, they're not going to win the division. Yeah, it'd be tough. I mean, I think it'd be perfect pretty much in the AFC West. I do have. I mean, they still have five of their six games in the West to come. Chargers twice, Broncos once, and host Kansas City. So I guess it's possible, but it does not seem likely to me as well. I agree. Um, the team they beat this past week, the Cleveland Browns, a team that is 22nd in DVOA. They are 5-3. and three. They are right on the fringes of the playoff picture. They have the league's second easiest schedule over the remainder of the season per ESPN's football power index. They get the Texans. The Eagles, the Jaguars, uh, Tennessee, the Ravens, the, and the Steelers, their toughest guys up. But then Giants and Jets, they have a two-game road trip in New York, the friendliest road trip in America, uh, Giants and Jets back-to-back. Mike, do you see them as a team that needs to just beat up on weak competition to make it to the postseason? Or do you see the Browns, without Odell Beckham, as currently constructed, as a legitimate you know, 10-11 win football team? Yeah, I see it more of the first thing that I think with that schedule, which, yeah, you said the FPI has it as the second easiest. And if you just go by, you know, opponent record, it would be the easiest because of those games against the Giants and the Jets. Mm-hmm. I'd look at them. I think there's a very clear path to nine and seven or 10 and six for this team, you know, and that's great. I mean, we're, I think we're going to look back at Kevin Stefanski's first year and say, that's a success, right? They're, they weren't a mesh. They weren't all over the place. And not only that, they won a lot of the games they should have won. And, mm-hmm had a winning record. I, I still feel like I need to be convinced. Um, I know shoot Baker Mayfield had a five touchdown game, but I just feel like they're still a little limited, a little bit limited by him. And I want to see his continued kind of growth, you know, and, mm-hmm. and being able to sort of prove it from the pocket uh, more consistently to kind of grow what they are offensively. And when that happens, maybe it happens over the second half of the season. Uh, you know, they, then I'll maybe put them in a different category, but I think they're going to make playoffs as a seventh seed, just based on who they're going to play and how they play and how they've turned themselves into a little bit more of a reliable team. Yeah. I mean, to your point, you look at their wins, it's beat the Bengals by five points, beat Washington by 14, beat the Cowboys with Dak, but the, um, you know, beat the Cowboys by 11, beat the Colts by nine, beat the Bengals, you know, on a last second or a final 11 seconds touchdown by three. I mean, their losses, you know, lost to the Ravens by 32, lost to the Steelers by 31, and lost to the Raiders by 10 a week ago. I mean, the numbers say this team is not as impressive as their record, yeah. but it sort of feels like because the schedule is so easy in the second half, you know, they're going to be able to catch up to their record to their record by, you know, improving their point differential against some of these mediocre football teams they're going to be facing. Yeah, it's kind of funny to me. So they've covered the, the spread 38%. There's only six teams that are lower cover rates, but I feel like they've, I feel like they've, exceeded my expectations almost you know yeah. um they're 
I thought they were going to be better with Stefanski because I thought he would come in and just all of the distractions and all that stuff. I thought, I think he's a wet blanket over all of that. You know, I don't mean that as an insult to Stefanski, but I just think he's a little bit of a, you know, monotone, a little bit of a not overly excitable, sort of the anti-kitchens, right? Mm -hmm. And I thought that was going to be really stabilizing for them. And I thought that that offense would really help uh, Baker Mayfield take a little bit of pressure off them, give them some easier throws, have a lot of play action. That has happened, but I think that they've, you know, won a game or two along the way that I, that, you know, I didn't know for sure if they were going to win. And they, maybe they've lost, you know, maybe they should have beat the Raiders too, but I like where they're at just in their development. And I think they'll get to the end of the season having good information on Mayfield too, right? Um, they'll have to decide how they want to proceed and how much they want to have invested in him. And, and is he... Um, the guy you've got now, you know, whatever, uh, what, eight games left to, to figure that out. And you got a nice pie in the middle. I just, it just feels right to me. Okay. So let me finish up with this. Let me ask you um, uh, my final question. Is it more important if you could, if you're a Browns fan and you could pick one of these two outcomes, is it more important for them to make the playoffs finally, or to have Baker Mayfield develop into a quarterback? They feel confidently is someone they can go forward with. Uh, I would say the latter, in the absence of a complete collapse by the team, you know, where they just didn't win another game. But that wouldn't happen if he's going to do that, right? I, right. I think I would rather um, ha- feel great about Mayfield for the future and be nine and seven and barely make the playoffs or miss than be eleven and five because we got a couple of unsustainable returns on defense and overcame Baker's mediocre play and we don't feel great about him. Clearly you got, you know, for them in the future, they need to know what they've got there and they got to hope that it's really good. And they got to be able to make a decision being in the middle where he plays well enough that you want to keep him, but then ultimately he's not the guy that sucks. You know, I mean, there's a lot of teams that are in that boat and that just makes it hard because once you pay him, obviously you got to be better in the draft and all that. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Mike. Well, we have managed to break down the trade deadline, managed to break down the teams that should have made trades. And I think we have more insight into these four sort of borderline contenders in the NFL. So our job here is done. But we've done it. We've, we've, we've finished, but people are not done with you. If they want to check out more of what you do, where can they do that? Certainly at the Athletic, look for my pick six column every Monday. You can follow me on Twitter at Sando NFL and a new podcast this season with former NFL exec of the year, Randy Mueller. We go back 20 years. We have a lot of fun uh, analyzing football on the football GM. You can find that on Spotify, Apple, all the usual places. You can find podcasts, the football GM. Yep. If you are a fan of the NFL and you want to know what people in the league are thinking, first person you should turn to is Mike Santa. Mike, thank you so much. Thank you, Bill. Appreciate it. All right, he's one of the best in the business. Love talking to Mike Sando about the NFL. And guys, thanks so much for listening. We have more audio coming next week. About to hit the actual midway point of the NFL season. Thanks so much for listening. And I hope you guys are staying healthy and more on the way.